After this episode, the rest of our Stephen Kingtoberfest episodes will be available only on Patreon, but you can gain access for only $1 a month. Up next, we'll be discussing Shawshank Redemption, so I really hope to see you there. Goodbye. <laughs> Hi. Hi. This is our Stephen Kingtoberfest little film festival for Stephen King viewings we hold every October. And for our first episode, we'll be discussing the film, the seminal classic, The Dead Zone from 1983, starring Christopher Walken. We're going to start out doing our 30 second recap. Oh. <laughs> We do this. How do I always forget? We do this every year, and you are always knocked on your ass whenever I bring it up. But it's it's uh-huh. it's better that way because you have no time to be anxious and you have no time to prepare. Yeah, I'm not sweating beforehand. I'm just profusely sweating right now. Yeah, I'm gonna let you start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna hold this up to the screen okay. so you can see and just give me a recap. You can start at the beginning, and if you run out of time, I'll pick up where you leave off with mine, Lovely. or you can try to do all of it. Okay. You know. I'll just frantically see what my brain does. Okay, I think that's a good plan. Okay, ready? Three, yeah. two, one, go. All right, we've got Christopher Walken. He's a school teacher. He's awkwardly affectionate with his school teacher girlfriend in the school. He his car gets all screwed up and he's in a coma for 5 years and then he comes out of it magic. <laughs> <laughs> touch you and tell you how you're gonna die and he he saved (laughs) he saved a local child from dying playing hockey and in and he found the guy from stop uh, (laughs) i got the important stuff no you did okay and i'm gonna see if i mean if there's anything left for me to fill in good luck okay 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 you left off I'll just go for it. Three, two, mm-hmm. one, go. So he has the ability to tell the future and the police are like, can we use your psychic brain to help solve a murder that's been going on while you were in a coma? And he was like, no. And then he was like, yes. And then he helps him and he solves it. He gets shot again. He's been through so much. And then he mm-hmm. moves to Maine uh, to another more desolate part of Maine. And it's like, I'm going to be a teacher because seeing less people will be helpful to me in this very delicate state. He gets attached to this kid and then associated with a political figure. And the political guy is eventually going to kill everyone so he decides to shoot him and it doesn't work but it does save the world and <laughs> I think we covered it all alright have a spooky night <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay did you love it did you like it did you hate it okay we're going with me first Um. so I'll tell you what I knew about the movie going into it and then my impression mm. I had looked up uh, the the most the best reviewed Stephen King adaptations, and this is one of the most positively reviewed adaptations that mm. exists, which I thought was interesting. And I knew that it was directed by David Cronenberg, who is known for body horror. So I was like, oh, troubled by that information, and I was mm-hmm. I was genuinely scared that this movie was gonna like really be disgusting. Um, I was really glad that it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it was not bad. Yeah, and then in a review I had read, it praised uh, Christopher Walken's performance, so I was like, great, good to go, I'm excited for this. I watched it, and I really enjoyed it. It didn't... Yay! It didn't go too far in any one direction mm-hmm. of disturbia, like disturbingness. 
I liked the performances and just like, we'll get more into detail as we talk, but in like a general sense, I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting and I really appreciated Christopher Walken's performance as well. I found his face very compelling to look at and and, I enjoyed it. So tell me what your first impressions were before you went in and then your overall view of it. Before I went in, I've never read the book, so I didn't really know about the book. And I like to kind of go in blind, if that's the case. And I feel like I've seen that theme spoofed a lot. Yes. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one. This is the one. I loved it. I never see Christopher Walken that young no. in the film. No. So it was shocking. I didn't know he was in the movie. It was really good. I liked it a lot. Let's talk about the opening premise it's set in Maine, and it's, like, so unmistakably Maine. Like, mm-hmm. it started out in a classroom, and it was hilariously Christopher Walken reading The Raven, which was, like, such a treat. <laughs> I did not anticipate <laughs> I I it, that I was I going to be able to hear that man read The Raven. Um, but he is, and he's definitely, like, an odd English teacher. Like, he would... Yeah. And, but then the moment they, like, walked outside, I was like, oh, so this is, this is a main one, because the yeah. vibes are incredibly snowy, white sky, yes. nothing on the branches of the trees. I love that. And then, of course, he has this terrible accident, and when he wakes up, he's so pale. He's so pale, and his skin was almost, yeah. like, transparent. It was, like, yeah. pretty disturbing. And when they yeah. kept, like, avoiding telling him how long he had been in a coma, mm. I was really just expecting them to say, like, six months or something. Y- me too! And they were, like, five years, and I was like, oh! <laughs> oh, God, that's so much worse! And so that's, like, there's, like, three distinct acts in this movie where it starts out and it's like him with his like sweet girlfriend who's also a teacher and the accident and the aftermath of the accident where he finds out that she's now fucking married and has a child within five years like and they were planning to get married like him and sarah they weren't engaged, but they were discussing it. I don't think they had, had sex yet. And, and, like, the whole reason he got in the accident is because he did not have sex with her because he used the old excuse of a headache. And it would have saved his fucking life's trajectory. <laughs> sex saves lives. Yeah, I actually appreciate that this horror movie seems to have the message, like, if you had only had sex, <laughs> none of this would have happened. So we've got the first act, which is like accident and aftermath. And then he realizes that because I had only heard of the storyline from The Simpsons, The Ned Mm -hmm. Zone, where Mm -hmm. Ned Flanders like could touch someone and see how they were going to die. I thought that that was what his ability was, just that he was able to see when someone was going to die. But it turns out he's just like psychic. Like, yeah, he can just like see psychic in a very kind of like traditional way. Sort of like that's so Raven psychic, where he's just mm-hmm. like sort of clutched with, and then it's like sees these images, and they can either be good, bad, or tell warning, or just be like, "Oh, your mom's alive." That was so cool. That was cool. I also love how severe his demeanor is when he's holding people's hands and having his visions. It's very off-putting to everybody, and I love that. They, yeah, it really is. He really grasps them. And he's got such a wide Germanic forehead. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it it really brings the point home. 
I think one of his one of Christopher Walken's parents is German, which mm. accounts for his just like gigantic skull. His wide eyes. Um, I feel like Act Two is like. By the way, there's a serial murderer out. Castle Rock is notoriously not a safe place. <laughs> you will not find it in any guidebooks of touring Maine. Um, tell me what you thought about uh, the our little the little jaunt with true crime and like serial killer solving. Are okay, I was here for that because I love true crime. Right. Um, not shocked it was the cop's fault. He did have shifty pale eyes, that deputy. The scene where he ends his life was disgusting and disturbing. I closed my eyes that whole time. I looked away. Yeah. And then the, his mom was shot because she was trying to protect her son because she knew. Yeah. You know. It's pretty gruesome. (laughs) Something I think people miss when they do a Christopher Walken, which I feel like I realized watching this movie, was that he whispers. He repeats himself in in a whisper, and I love this. You know? It's not all just throwing his voice around. Like, the thing that is unusual about the way that he speaks. Yeah. Bizarre. Which was perfect for this role. Yeah, because he, like, embodies, like, haunted man. So then he, like, fucking solves a serial murder. I love that he, or I, I don't love it, but it was interesting that when he was in the gazebo and he saw the murder happen in the dead zone, <laughs> that he felt regret that he didn't help. It's like, you can't. And then after he solves the serial murderer, the serial killer, I keep, like, it's like a 19... 19- 46 newspaper article. We call them serial killers now. Um, then there's like act three where he's like, you know what? I've been through enough bullshit. I'm moving to another town where people don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. And he starts tutoring kids. And that's when that random like rich guy is just like, hey, I heard about you from the town that apparently you're just like super good with kids you have to help my son who's just like a little asshole and and then he meets the little like rich boy and then he sort of like gains a weird little child ally a child who watched him answer the door close the door and cry to himself and then he forcefully like embraced him and he was like can you please tell me what's going on if my tutor did those things cry also we can't forget that in act two he had sex and like a whole day with his ex-girlfriend like she brought her child over and they she fed them dinner i know they played house it was so weird weird. that was so weird i don't know why my mind just like glazed over that because i was just like because i don't want to accept it as reality it was bizarre she was like she was like honestly you've been through a lot of shit I'll give you this for one day. We're going to have sex. I'll let you know what you're missing. And I'm just going to, like, leave my husband at daycare so he'll just, like, be taken care of for the day. And I'm just going to spend all fucking day playing wife with you. And your father. And your dad. We're going to pretend that we ended up together and that my son is your child. Oh, my God. That was so fucking weird. It was so strange. Weird. So then now he's in another small town and, uh, and he's, and we meet like the politician, um, Martin Sheen. Oh yeah, the actor. I'm obsessed with him. I love that actor. Yeah, that is Martin Sheen. Emilio Estevez's dad. Emilio Estevez is one of the characters in The Breakfast Club. He's like the blonde, he's the blonde kid who's like the jock, I think. Dope. 
The anyway, Martin Sheen is incredible at playing politicians, and he's literally been cast as the president before. So it's really funny mm-hmm. that he was in this, and he's like, "I'm going to be president, goddammit. it!" And I'm like, "You will be." Yeah, I <laughs> that's <you> true. <laughs> you get consistently <laughs> cast as like politicians all the time. Um, but I loved him. I thought he was he was hilarious, and I think he did his role so, so well. <laughs> he really so embodied good. it so beautifully. I don't think there were any actors that were just bad actors. Yeah, I agree. And then, of course, comes, like, the final big question that it's all been building up to, which was, if you could go back. (laughs) Stop! (laughs) And kill Hitler. Watch out. Watch out. And then he gets, like, his final piece of advice, which is like, yeah, I fucking would. Dr. Wyziak or something. The only doctor to stay by a patient that long and hard. Really? Best doctor in the world. Yeah. But he's he has a vision that the Martin Sheen's politician character is eventually going to become president and is eventually going to like start a nuclear war. Um so he's like, well, I'm dead inside, and if there's one thing I can do, it's to, like, make sure that that doesn't happen and try to save humanity. And the doctor said that his headaches are getting worse, which historically, when this has happened to people, that means they're not going to live too long. Yeah, like, he was, like, losing himself, like, the psychic part of him was, like, taking over. Which was very Stephen King. Yeah. That you get this power, and it's, like, eating you from the inside out. Oh God! I wonder. I wonder to to what that refers in his own life. Maybe alcoholism or something. Uh, Cocaine. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh my God! You're right though. And Tommy knockers, like they're all like, but there's magic in them. Their hills, whether like teeth are falling out. Like <laughs> there's so much of like a this thing is like good and magical, but it deteriorates me physically. Mm-hmm. It does sound like a pretty one to one drug comparison, but it could also be like maybe his relationship to writing. Like, yeah, yeah, you never know. Like, maybe he feels he's able to create magic with his writing. Maybe he feels it's also destructive in his life or has been at a certain time. I'm glad we're talking about this because something really distinct and familiar that I feel about Christopher Walken's character is something that I've sort of seen in a lot of Stephen King which is a male protagonist who is either like an English teacher or a writer. Mm-hmm. And they go through something terrible, but they just maintain this like very stoic exterior, mm-hmm. like extremely stoic, like not very vulnerable true. at all. Always kind of with like wiry, wry or wiry. I don't know. I've only ever read it. Humor. I'll say dry humor. And, um, like they always just seem far away from everyone around them. And they sort of wish they could put more distance between themselves and other people. (laughs) Even in his novels that aren't like specifically horror, he's got a lot of little genres he dabbles in. I feel like it's still the same situation. Yeah. This, like, very distant, cracking jokes, but, like, deeply in pain and doesn't want to talk to you about it. Also, like, very pessimistic. I feel like, I feel like most of his characters are depressed in that they seem, like, Mm -hmm. chemically unable to experience a lot of hope or happiness. Does that make sense? And I feel like he's mirroring himself and maybe also, like, 
it sounds like that's just a lot of the locals that he grew up around. Yeah, it's really sad. There's like definitely an extreme cynicism to mm. a lot of his work. And even mm-hmm. when the people and the men end up like doing the right thing in the end, mm. it's like they never actually have a happy ending. No, didn't in this one. No. So he gets the opportunity to kill Hitler and <laughs> and he takes it, loads up a fucking gun and goes up and waits in the in the like loft of the the meeting house where he's where the politician is going to have his his little rally, decides to shoot him, misses, there's a huge commotion and then he grabs the baby <laughs> have the of his, baby. his love interest and uses it as a human shield. <laughs> that was so funny because I feel like that's the case with a lot of politicians. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> baby shield activate. Yeah, literally, it's so funny. <laughs> but he doesn't shoot the baby. He no. does shoot, which is also the politician. Interesting because it's like. If he really thought he was preventing nuclear war by killing him, like, he could have, like, justifiably injured that baby to take out the guy. But, like, I think at that point, you're just, like, human impulses take over too strong to rationalize, like, there will be many babies will die if nuclear war happens. Like, but it's like, I can't kill this fucking baby. The baby he played house with for a day. Yeah, but then it ended up being okay because he showed his, the politician showed his whole ass by doing that and then just like ruined his reputation. Yeah, he was able to touch him before he died and see that he was, the politician was going to end up just shooting himself. Yeah, I know. Because he ruined his career in life. So the corrupt man in power ends up killing himself, which is also, which is also, took out the fucking trash, uh, which is also (laughs) a a trope that comes back in Mm -hmm. other Stephen King things where the, the bad guy who's in charge ends up like having his ass shown in front of everyone and then is like, well, I'm out. And then our, our protagonist dies, which I legitimately did not anticipate for some reason. Me either. In the arms of Sarah, where she whispers, I love you. Mm-hmm. It's like, goodbye. It was very dramatic and I loved goodbye. it. <laughs> yeah. And the husband's just watching. Yeah, he's just like, huh, cucked by a psychic. not a cop in sight they have so much history and yet you haven't heard from this guy in five years just because he was what in a coma (sighs) i love when she heard he was out of the coma and she visited him and she was like is it bad that i came is it okay it's like probably get out of his life (laughs) like you made the choice to leave him so like effectively leave him i don't know what the right thing to do I mean, I don't think she probably should have, like, waited for him because he was in a coma for five years. Yeah. But... uh, Don't repeatedly see him. I feel like they should probably go to some kind of counseling together (laughs) to process what happened. (laughs) So, The Dead Zone, 1983. Mm. You... First question, will you watch it again? Yes, definitely. I won't watch it again as a Halloween horror movie, probably. Mm Mm-hmm. What sort what of what you? sort of mood would you be in to put this on? Like a rainy Sunday. Would you think Roger would like it? I don't know. I don't think so, but I think seeing Christopher Walken in the 80s is enough to entice anybody. 
I don't know that I would watch it again. It's sort of <laughs> one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, I feel like I got everything out of this I would like to. Maybe I'd watch That's it fair. again with Ian because I feel like this. I feel like Ian would. Like I feel like Ian would really like it. Yeah, I do. In terms of mainness, yeah, really great. Yeah, I didn't hear any accents. No, I don't think I did either. But it took place, like, entirely in Maine. By the looks of it, I mean, maybe it was set in, like, New Hampshire or something. Castle Rock is Maine. Yeah, so, and it was set in Castle Rock? That's where the Castle Rock killer, the murderer was. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, And props for doing it in winter, too. The whole thing, like, took place in winter, which is so weird, because it's like... But we're seeing time pass, but it's always winter. Always but I guess winter. that's actually pretty <laughs> that's accurate. <mine. laughs> it's like, no, nine months passed. You went from November to May, and it was the same temperature <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> um, Stephen King did not make an appearance in this one. Unfortunately, no. Which is infuriating. Yeah. Especially since it's his favorite adaptation. Is it really? I thought that's what you said. Is it not? No, I didn't say that. I, I said not. it's one of the most well-reviewed up. adaptations. Oh, I wonder what his favorite adaptation is. I don't know. I'm sure it's written somewhere, but I know he really likes Stand By Me, and he really likes Misery. Mm-hmm. He really likes what Rob Reiner has contributed to his work, yeah, which we covered me. last Stephen King Toberfest. Yeah, those are some great movies. Yeah, seriously. And I can't remember any other things that we evaluated them on. Okay, it says that he liked The Dead Zone. Okay. He said that uh, Cronenberg got so many things right in his adaptation. So initially, uh, a script adaptation was written for this. Then they were like, we don't like this adaptation. Why don't we get Stephen King to write his own? Stephen King wrote one, and then the producer, Dino De Laurentiis, was like, no, this is not good. And then David Cronenberg famous for body horror was like this is needlessly brutal we're not doing this so then they (laughs) they rejected stephen king's screenplay and went with the earlier version from another writer which is what we saw in this movie but i mean when david cronenberg is saying that you're being needlessly brutal it's like you're done buddy pack up your shit there must have been with the serial killer and the I feel like that and the children in the hockey incident, I feel like that's where Stephen would have gone really gory. I think you're probably right. It it probably would have felt more like Pet Cemetery and more like It. And I feel like mm-hmm. those stories in the hands of like very deft and effective filmmakers are like, uh, no, what? No, <laughs> there's no reason for this. Like the... Yeah. You have to have a reason if you're going to go into intense detail for shit. And sometimes Stephen King is just like, it makes my brain go burr whenever I describe horrible things happening to flesh. It's like, head to the bench, buddy. Someone's got to yank you back sometimes. (laughs) Very true. Okay. um, Oh, and then in terms of scary, this was like not cozy. I would not categorize this as yeah. cozy to me personally. I would think of this more as like a thriller, like a psychological thriller. Yeah, I agree. The the scissors in the serial killer capturing bit was pretty spooky for me. Yeah, but I just turned around. And there that's also yeah, there like... There wasn't anything scary. Yeah. My, like, serial killers like never use fucking like barber scissors because they're insanely cumbersome and not an effective killing tool. Yeah. So it just feels like 
in David Cronenberg's words, needlessly brutal, to be like, oh, I'm going to kill myself with this horrible tool that will make my death really long and terrible. (laughs) And I love his very dramatic outfit that he changed into to kill himself in the like all black leather like trench coat oh yeah I and like a black button down or something yeah you- like i was like what is he doing yeah. what is he what is he building what is he setting the scene for i was wondering if he was like doing that so that it was easier for people to like clean up the blood but it's like why would he be so considerate um <laughs> yeah i don't so it was not cozy definitely more of a thriller than a horror movie yeah um, and not, no jump scares, really. Mm-mm. Like, this is not something you're going to be, like, gripping the side of your couch watching. Like, it's mostly just, like, intellectually stimulating, kind of disturbing, yeah. and, uh, and fun to see some really good acting. Because they're, mm-hmm. Christopher Walken does a he good did job. A great job. Good job. I guess, like, a three out of ten for spookiness. Yeah. I agree with that. All right, go watch Dead Zone. Or do it. let us know what you think if you watched it and you had different thoughts. I don't know yeah. if we would love to hear, but I'll say it now that we would. <laughs> I, I'll have to hear what that's like, first of all. Because <laughs> I know that, you know, watching movies is, is very subjective and people get really intense mm-hmm. about their opinions and feel very betrayed when, when other people disagree, so... I don't know, maybe keep it to yourself how you feel. If it's an anti-Christopher Walken thing, keep it to yourself. I don't need that. Yeah, in my you, life. you lock that down. You keep that <laughs> hushed up. Alright, guys. Until next time. Cucked by a psychic.